Good morning and welcome. This morning we celebrate at long last the life of a great and wonderful man, John O'Hara. There's been a little change in the order for today's service. Um, the Honor Guard has another appointment and so has requested to begin with military honors and then we will move into the service. So I do invite everyone to settle in and take a moment of centering as our honor guard prepares to provide or um, do our military honors this morning. Thank you.
I invite the congregation to please stand and turn to page two of our booklet. I am resurrection and I am life, says the Lord. Whoever has faith in me shall have life, even though he die. And everyone who has life and has committed himself to me in faith shall not die forever. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. After my awaking, he will raise me up, and in my body I shall see God. I myself shall see, and my eyes behold him who is my friend and not a stranger. For none of us has life in himself, and none becomes his own master when he dies. For if we have life, we are alive in the Lord, 
And if we die, we die in the Lord. So then, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's possession. Happy from now on are those who die in the Lord. So it is, says the Spirit, for they rest from their labors. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God of grace and glory, we remember before you this day our brother John. We thank you for giving him to us, his family and friends, to know and to love as a companion on our earthly pilgrimage. In your boundless compassion, console us who mourn. Give us faith to see in death the gate of eternal life so that in quiet confidence we may continue our course on earth until by your call we are reunited with those who have gone before through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Most merciful God, whose wisdom is beyond our understanding, deal graciously with John's family and friends in their grief. Surround them with your love that they may not be overwhelmed by their loss, but have confidence in your goodness and strength to meet the days to come through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. A reading from the book of a class. <laughs> for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. The word of the Lord.
reading from the first letter of John. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. The word of the Lord. I invite everyone to please stand and join in singing Eternal Father, Strong to Save. The words are found in our booklet.
holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. John said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Very truly I tell you, the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. remembrances this morning. So I invite either Dale or Mike, whoever wishes to go first. Good morning. Today is, uh, we're going to celebrate, laugh. This is what my father would have wanted. I know this because my father wrote his own eulogy. If you know my father, I'm going to read a paragraph out of it. He said, John O'Hara's eulogy. Funerals are a time of sadness, but I prefer an old Irish custom celebrating deceased life. I have lived a full and active life through the grace of God, and I was given seven extra decades of life after the war. God gave me a wonderful, beautiful wife, Shirley, and I had six wonderful sons, many grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We were married for 55 years. I love her as much today as I did in 1948 when I first met her. I looked up an Irish thing, and the oldest brother pays for everything. Hey, Mike. (laughs) This is the only time Wayne's over there saying, thank God I'm second. (laughs) Only joking. Uh, every year, Sherry and I would take a cruise, and we would take a trip in 2014, a Christmas cruise in the Caribbean. My dad would always come with us, and our first stop was Jamaica. My dad wanted to stay on a ship while Sherry and I went for the daily excursion. John wanted to stay in the room and write. We were a little nervous, but he assured us he would be okay. That night, John, I, John, Sherry, and I went to dinner. On our way, on the way going to dinner, people were coming up saying, hello, John. Sherry and I were a little amazed. At dinner, we said, Dad, how'd you meet these people? Apparently, he walked around making his rounds, greeting everybody, and by the end of the cruise, he was dubbed the unofficial mayor. 
That's my dad. In 2014, we took another trip to Mobile, Alabama to visit my dad's ship, the USS Alabama. Somehow the word got out he was a crew member and people would line up and have their photo taken in his autograph. A little weird, but it, it came over, to, a couple came over to Sherry and I and said it was the highlight of their trip meeting my dad. That was our dad, very extremely sociable and a loving person. On the other hand, which most of you didn't see, he could be as stubborn as a mule. In 2000, my beloved mother and dad went to the YMCA in South Kingston. John, about 80 years old, was on the treadmill. The attendant came over and was concerned that he was using too high of a of a speed. My dad wouldn't listen. My dad felt invincible. And John would tell the story, how he showed the attendant and he finished the workout. No one could tell him what to do. And that's the truth. The part he left out was after five steps off the treadmill, he collapsed, got taken to the hospital for observation. <laughs> Stubborn Irishman. My dad believed in family and remained close to his relatives around the US, England, and Australia. My dad had three brothers, three sisters, but only two made it to adulthood, my Uncle Bobby and my Auntie Irene. Yes, Auntie Irene, not Auntie, Auntie. See, Mike, that's how you say it. Uh, my dad remained close to his cousins, the O'Hara's, Worthington, Lewis, and Boscos. In 1977, my dad started collecting the document of the family genealogy. John was nicknamed the family record keeper. With 2,100 plus family record, members recorded, in 2012, my dad passed the records on to me. Sounds good, but some but with so many families, you could get in trouble. For example, 1996, he received a message saying, hi, Jackie, it's Irene. I just want to let you know Bob passed away. Right away, my dad picks up the phone, starts calling family members. My sister's, my sister's husband, Bob, passed away. Well, my Auntie Irene starts getting bombarded with condolences. The only problem was, it wasn't Irene. It was his cousin Irene's husband, Bob. So she called up and said, John, what are you doing to me? She says, everybody's telling me my husband's dead and he's sitting next to me. <laughs> that was my father. During Operation Torts in the United States, the first action in the invasion of Africa, he served under General Patton and Admiral Henry Hewitt. November 12, 1942, a U-boat torpedoed three ships, one being the USL Scott. Torpedoed hit the starboard side of the Scott, bursting into flames. My dad was below deck with four other shipmates, all who perished during the explosion. John was wounded, fighting for his life, and was able to get out before the ship floundered. I think that's the right word. Uh, there's actually a picture in the back of the church that I found that's caught the time 
that the torpedo struck. My father, This would not be the last time of the brink of death. My father was a strong will to live and his faith, in faith in God. So I feel compelled to tell the story. We received a freightful, freightful call from the hospital. At 11.30 p.m., Sherry and I was woken by a phone call. The doctor said John, the doctor said John was no longer responsive and felt he would pass during the night. Because of COVID, the hospital wasn't allowing visitors, but the doctor did allow us in to see John during his passing. Sherry once called Father Craig, and we all met at the hospital. My dad lied lying in bed, skin cold, mouth wide open, face drawn, incoherent. Father Craig ministered his last rites. Father Craig stayed with us for a couple hours to help support Sherry and I. The nurse wanted to stop treatment, but Sherry refused. Sherry and I stayed by John's side, and at 6.10 a.m., the nurse came in to check his vital signs. Upon putting on the blood cup, my father let out a slight moan. I held his hand and said, we love you, Dad. And he turned his head, looked at me, and said, good morning, Dale. I started crying. I, I woke Sherry up. I said, Sherry. And she starts crying. I said, do you know who I am? He says, yeah, it's Dale. I said, do you know who this is? He says, yeah, Sherry. So he looks around. And I said, Dad, you're in the hospital. He says, not again. What this time? I said, you had a UTI. So Sherry's like, Dad, do you know it's in 18 days? He said, my birthday. I said, Dad, who's the most important, me or Sherry? He said, Sherry, of course, you should take her out to dinner. I said to the nurse, he's still delusional, give him more medication. <laughs> My father turned and said, where's Dr. Wagner? I said, Dad, she's not here. So we sent the video to Dr. Wagner saying, good morning, Dr. Wagner, I want to go home. And then he sent one to Dr. To Father Craig that morning, saying, hello, Father Craig. I forget exactly what he said, but, and then three days later, we was home. It was amazing that, you know, he just came out of it. Uh, you know, I'm my father's son, so I like to speak like my dad. Since my dad was 85, his goal was to make the smucker's jaw. Before my dad passed, we were able to show him his smucker's jaw, the 100th birthday. He gave a smile of a lifetime. He knew he made his gold. My dad lived such a positive life. He never liked to inconvenience anyone, except for Sherry and I, of course. Sherry wanted to get away for our dad to call us if needed. We lived upstairs, he lived downstairs. So they came up with this brilliant idea. John would get a bell and he would ring it at three in the morning for a glass of water or to say he's hungry so I would make him eggs. 
99% of us, where do my bells go? Oh, you would get a bell and he would ring it. If you know my wife and you know my father, that's what we would wake up to. Thanks, yeah. So everything they did was, I guess, a little over the top. We miss them. He did live an amazing life. Sherry, oh, my father had a great, my father fought a great fight and went out on his terms. Dr. Lydia Vodka, Dr. Angela Tabar, RN Rebecca Gilbert, CNA Brandy Gomez, and my dear wonderful wife. Without these five women, John would have never lived so long. These women will never, they will always be known as Johnny's Angels. My mother and father, God rest their souls, always wanted a daughter. 24 years ago, God blessed them with one. Sherry, you were dad's little angel. John loved you more than anything in the world. His face would light up when you were around. Whenever he felt sick in the hospital, I can't see. Whenever he felt sick in the hospital, oh, where am I? He would always ask for Sherry. Where's Sherry? It's kind of funny because the doctor would ask, John wants his daughter. Are you the son-in-law? He said, no, I'm actually the son. <laughs> My dad nicknamed Sherry the sergeant because when he was going out, Sherry would say, change your shirt, it has a stain. Brush your hair, it's messy. It's time you take your pills. My dad would say, Dale, she's just like your mother. I replied, the more she's looking at you, the less I'm in trouble. John appreciated knowing you were always looking after him. My dad didn't say I love you that much in life, as us kids know. But whenever leaving, John would always say, I love you, Sherry. Sherry would reply, I love you, John. I would say, I love you, Dad. And he would reply, thank you. Really, Dad, thank you? I knew he loved me. It was his way. He always promised Sherry, if anything happens to Dale, I will always take care of you. I was amazed that I was always the first to go. <laughs> Sherry planned such an amazing celebration of life and did a great job today. Sherry, you are an angel sent from heaven. You are strong, kind, and loving. You took care of John, Coconut, and myself for years, and we could be a pain in the butt, mostly them two. To whom was close to John, knew what a difficult job this was. You worked all day and cared for John at night. You dealt with the doctors, you knew all his medications by heart. One night, 
Dad said he felt it was time to go to a nursing home. We held his hand and said, no, this is your home, and we will get through it. That was the second time in my life I ever seen my father's eyes tear up. Sherry, I love you the day I married you. I love you more every day. Although, for the record, Sherry said John used up all the, all the care, so you're out of luck. I see my dear mother-in-law chuckle. We have an opinion of an, you have the option of a nursing home or the end of the break wall. And mom, you're with me too. Mike and Jerry, you two have been family to us throughout the years. Every holiday, Mike and Jerry would call John, not just birthdays, and Christmas, Father's Day, Veterans Day. I'd answer the phone and Mike would say, hey, where's Big John? My dad loved you too. He looked, Mike, he looked at you like his seventh son. And Jerry, you were the daughter, the non-bossy one. <laughs> During COVID, you two would take COVID tests and drive up to visit him. That meant the world to him. When Sherry called you, about John, you two rushed here. You stayed by our sides through John's passing and his memorial parade. You two are more than best friends. You are family. Mike, I love you like a brother. Jerry, you like a sister, an older one though. <laughs> you guys, it's an inside joke. And uh, Sherry and, and Jerry are like sisters. Thanksgiving is when families get together, and John, Sherry, and I spent 15 years at your table. COVID prevented us from attending for a year. I know in Mike's mind right now, he's thinking, I love you, brother. And Jerry's thinking, oh crap, them two are gonna want their spot back in Thanksgiving. We love you guys, and for the record, we got our seat back this year. Thanks, Jer. We love you. Brandy. We couldn't have cared for John without you. You changed your work schedule to care for my dad. I joked with you every day on firing you. Every day you came back. I know. You had my wife's key. My wife didn't even have a key to the house. You two would tell silly little jokes. But my father loved you to death. And no matter how sick he was, the first thing he would say in the morning was, good morning, Brandy, how's Taylor? He always had consideration that way. Father Craig, you have been by John's side through his illness, coming to the house and giving him church service and communion, and never letting on, you knew in one eye he's watching you and the other eye he's watching the football game. <laughs> the night Sherry called you at 12 a.m., you rushed to the hospital to minister the last rites. I guess John felt you needed a little more practice because I think you ministered the last rites about three, four more times 
Each time you minister right, the next day he's back, ready to go home again. Becky, you are a true modern-day nightingale. You cared and you gave my dad incredible care. Becky saved my dad's life so many times, but one time I'd like to share with everybody. Becky asked to stop by to check on my dad, even though it wasn't a scheduled day, and stop by later. Upon arrival, I received a delightful greeting from Becky, as she always does. Becky is a meticulous and proficient with her examinations. Becky was concerned about his blood pressure being so low and continued to check his pulse. John's rate was over 160. Becky quickly but calmly said, call 911. My dad was rushed into South County Hospital and taken straight to the intensive care. By the time John's heart rate was over 180. Becky didn't end her service there. She knew I was confused and upset. Becky went out and called my wife to make sure I was okay. Sherry rushed home with me and received a call from the ICU doctor explaining his serious illness and the possible treatment. If his heart doesn't go down, he will have an, a life-ending heart attack. They got his heart down, actually. He came home. Becky, you're a friend and a sister. You will always be part of our family. We love you dearly. Sean and Steve, our dear cousins, your presence means the world to us. I would like to share this with all. John's great niece and nephew came all the way from Montana out here. Most of us from South County don't like driving past the towers. And if we drive to the other end of Rhode Island, we consider it a trip and pack an overnight bag. We're so glad you came, thank you. Beth and John Dupani, Steve and Barbara Bushi, and Jerry and Claudette Reynolds, our dad loves St. Peter's and look forward to coming every Sunday. Both Sherry and I work six days a week and was taking John sometimes was difficult. You guys all stepped up and would drive my dad to church every day, every Sunday, and drive him home. This gave Sherry and I a bit of time. And I'm sure John gave you a history lesson on each ride. God bless you and thank you. I'd like to end it. I know you guys are all thinking, I guess I was a little too late, but I know you guys are all thinking, yes, I'm John's son, and I won't stop talking like my father. But don't worry, I only got 20 more pages to go, and we'll be done. I'd like to finish this thanking as a young man, my dad enlisted in the U.S. Navy to defend our freedom, our country, and our allies. And I know my dad would want us to say a prayer for the people of Ukraine and that the war will end soon. Plus our family, our friends and allies stay safe in the other European countries. 
Michael and Wayne, I'm so glad you're here. I love you, my brothers. Margaret, God bless you. Thank you for coming. My dad had 16 cousins, and Margaret's the last one of the great uh, family. And thank you. Mike, I used up all your time, buddy. By the time you walk up, Father Craig's going to say get back. Good morning, everybody. Um, I met uh, Dale Ch and Sherry in uh, 2003, and uh, we became friends. I met John, and he instantly became uh, a hero to me. He was actually my second hero in my life. Uh, my first was my wife's father, my father-in-law. Uh, they were both combat vets, and uh, they were from the greatest generation. Uh, and uh, we would sit and we would talk, and I kind of was try to absorb things that he said to me. Uh, he was very intelligent man. Um, and I just would try to soak up whatever wisdom he would come out with. And uh, when I lost, when, when I lost him, when, when Dale and his family lost him, uh, I felt like I lost a father, uh, a grandfather, or, or a, rel some, a relative. And um, I just, uh, I didn't have, how could I put it? Um, I didn't have feelings like this for my own family. And uh, it was my heroes that really put love in my heart. And, uh, admiration and I miss him a lot. Uh, that's about it. I love you, John. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We gather today to celebrate John's life. But as I prepared for this morning, I realized that as we prepare to celebrate John's life, we've also gone through a year where several others similar to John have passed away. All about the same age, so close yet so far from that milestone of their 100th birthday, whether it be the Duke of Edinburgh, Betty White, and John, as one person wrote on Facebook lately, it's the curse of the Smucker's Jar. <laughs> but there is something special about that generation. And as we say goodbye to these people, we realize what we are really doing is saying goodbye 
to the last of what Mike referred to as the great generation. A generation that was born in the midst of the prosperity of the 20s, was formed by the Great Depression and having a lack of all that was necessary, scarcity, and then being defined by the Second World War. If you listen to members of that generation, you realize their values were somewhat different than today. I don't know if they would be able to define it quite this succinctly, but I believe if you ask them, what are your core values, they would say, God, country, and family. And in that order, they were a generation who lived into the words of Eileen Davis, who stated that the problem today with religion is that we no longer know how to delve into our imagination and understand how truly horrific and awful this world can be, while at the same time not realizing how great and wonderful it can possibly be. The great generation experienced firsthand how truly awful and dark and evil this world can be. And through their faith in Christ, they were able to see how great and wonderful this world can become. And it is through their service to this world, to their nations and to their communities and to their families, that they personified truly what is good, what is memorable, and what can be so great in this world today. What made John, I think, so endearing and wonderful to all of us is that he personified that great generation. He was formed by the Depression, and defined by his service as a Navy man in World War II. And to know him was to know that defining moment in his life. That moment with, but by the grace of God, he walked out of one compartment with his buddies into another as a torpedo hit his boat and sunk it. As he told me over and over and over again, had that not happened, he would not have survived because all of his fellow seamen perished that were in that room. Had he not, perchance, as the water was rising up in the compartment he was in, had he not seen a glimmering of light, he would not have found safety and rescue. But surviving that incident, John carried a heavy burden throughout the rest of his life. We all heard him tell the history stories. We all heard him tell the stories of World War II. He shared it with the young. He shared it with the old. But if you truly listened to his telling of that story, you realize that it wasn't John O'Hara talking about John O'Hara, a hero. 
It was about John O'Hara telling a story so that those who perished when he survived would not be forgotten. That the horrors of World War II, the war that many hoped would be the end of all wars, we would never see that horror again, would not be forgotten. In one of our conversations, he shared the other part of the story that he doesn't share right away because he told me one day when I was visiting him with communion, and no, he wasn't looking out his eye at the football game because <laughs> I made him turn off the TV. <laughs> um, as he was talking to me, he said, to this day, 80 years later, he could still hear the moans and the cries of the men who were perishing. He could still smell the smell of the gas and the oil that laid atop the water as he came out and took his first breath of air after holding it to get to the surface. He could still remember the moment in detail of his rescue, as if it had happened just the day before. John understood the words that I think have defined the survivors of World War I and World War II. Greater love hath no man than to sacrifice his life for his friends. That is a line from the Gospel of John. John knew and experienced firsthand the sacrifice his seamates made that night that he survived. And so he gave his life following that statement to keep their memory alive. On some level, I believe that John truly lived as an obligation to those men who died that night. And to keep alive before us that so much of what we take for granted today in this country our true freedom, our prosperity was paid for by their lives. It is no wonder that the great generation was so deeply spiritual and faithful. They were the church-going generation. They were the ones who raised their children and filled our Sunday schools because they live their lives in the shadow of the sacrifice of others, they were able to relate to the concept of the sacrifice that God made for our lives on the cross on Good Friday. The sacrifice of giving of God's self in the form of Christ so that the doors of resurrection and eternal life could be opened up to us. So as much as John understood the horrors of human life, he also lived in the faith and the hope and the vision of eternal life itself, life with God. And so led his life with one goal, 
maybe it should be two. Two goals, I'll say. One, to make it to the smucker's jar. <laughs> but the other, to hear the words of Christ in Matthew. Well done, good and faithful servant. And to that John was. As you look at the book of accolades, which you realize is John lived his life in his retirement, not simply sitting back and watching TV, but doing good for others, advocating for the elderly, advocating for veterans, advocating so that others can have a better life and be assured of the life for which they fought. John worked on behalf of the church by seeing to it that life for others was assured to be good. And so, yes, a year ago when John, finally after three rounds of last rites and coming back and somehow making it very clear that there was some sort of conversation between him and God and the Almighty, that this was not time yet, succumbed to what we all succumb to, the frailty of the human body. But he also, on that day, saw what he knew to be true in his heart and heard the words that I think he waited for from God. Well done, good and faithful servant. As his eyes were opened to not the life that is, but to the life that can be and to the benefit of now knowing and not believing the words of John that followed him throughout his life. And now I have blanked out on them. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that those who believe in him should not die, but have everlasting life. John understood the life of Christ to lay down his life for another. And John lived in the assurance of everlasting life because his God, his Christ, gave his life so that he could have life as John lived his life, so those who perished would continue to have life in some form on this earth. Amen. At this time, I invite everyone to please stand and those who are able to affirm their faith through the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
For our brother John, let us pray to our Lord Jesus Christ who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Lord, you consoled Martha and Mary in their distress. Draw near to us who mourn for John and drive the tears of those who weep. Hear us, Hear us Lord. Lord. You wept at the grave of Lazarus, your friend. Comfort us in our sorrow. Hear, Hear us, us Lord. Lord. You raised the dead to life. Give to our brother eternal life. Hear, Hear us, us, Lord. Lord. You promised paradise to the thief who repented. Bring our brother to the joys of heaven. Hear, Hear us, Lord. Lord. Our brother was washed in baptism and anointed with the Holy Spirit. Give him fellowship with all your saints. Hear, Hear us, us Lord. Lord. He was nourished with your body and blood. Grant him a place at the table in your heavenly kingdom. Hear, Hear us, us, Lord. Comfort us in our sorrows at the death of our brother. Let our faith be our consolation and eternal life our hope. Father of all, we pray to you for John and for those whom we love but see no longer. Grant them eternal rest. Let light perpetual shine upon them. May his soul and the souls of all the departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us greet one another with a sign of Christ's love for us. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. On behalf of the O'Hara family, I thank everyone who is here with us um, this morning. And um, again, thank you for coming. After the service now, immediately following the service, as opposed to after the honors, uh, there is a light luncheon available in the parish hall that is through this door here. It's an opportunity to greet um, uh, Dale and Sherry and other members of the family, so please join us for a bit of light refreshment. At this time, we um, will be celebrating the uh, Holy Eucharist or Communion in the Episcopal Church anyone who is baptized is welcome to receive the communion, the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ. During COVID, we do our communion in stations, so I will be standing with the bread in front of the urn. My two chalice bearers will be on either side of me. People are invited to come up, receive the host. If you wish to receive the wine, we ask that you do it by intinction or dipping in the cup and receiving that way. Depending on what side of the church you are sitting on, then go down the side aisle and then return to your seat either by coming up the center or by just coming in through the side entrance. If you are unable to come to the station, please feel free to let the usher know that you would like communion and we will come to you. And so um, just simply let the usher know, or if you can't, just stand up as the line is coming to an end and we will see you and bring communion with you. Are there any um, statements from the family at this time or did I cover all the bases? Okay. 
on that note, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us in off, a sac, an offering and sacrifice to God. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord 
who rose victorious from the dead and comforts us with the blessed hope of everlasting life. For to your faithful people, O Lord, life is changed, not ended. And when our mortal body lies in death, there is prepared for us a dwelling place eternal in the heavens. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, Gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this. For the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask for your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. The body and blood of Christ.
Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you that in your great love you have fed us with the spiritual food and drink of the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, and have given us a foretaste of your heavenly banquet. Grant that this sacrament may be to us a comfort in affliction and a pledge of our inheritance in that kingdom, where there is no death, neither sorrow nor crying, but the fullness of joy with all your saints, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Give rest, O Christ, to your servant with your saints, where sorrow and pain are no more, neither sighing but life everlasting. You only are immortal, the creator and maker of mankind. And we are mortal formed of the earth, and to earth shall we return. For so did you ordain when you created me, saying, You are dust, and to dust you shall return. All of us go down to the dust. Yet even at the grave we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Give rest, O Christ, to your servant with your saints, where sorrow and pain are no more, neither sighing but life everlasting. Into your hands, O merciful Savior, we commend your servant John. Acknowledge, we humbly beseech you, a sheep of your own fold, a lamb of your own flock, a sinner of your own redeeming. Receive him into the arms of your mercy, into the blessed rest of everlasting peace, and into the glorious company of the saints in light. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us join in singing America the Beautiful.
us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God.